intro anthony we have anthony canada with us today cmo of front um thanks for being here yeah thanks for having me appreciate it oh man this is awesome well front's obviously a great company uh for everyone listening you want to give everybody a quick little update on what front does so they have a little context as we're going through this process together yeah totally so uh front is a customer communication platform so effectively uh, we've replaced kind of the, the email inbox construct to help people, uh, help teams get closer to customers. So we have a, a shared inbox product. Um, we've got um, the ability to create all these workflows and kind of powerful um, kind of integrations that sit underneath email to help folks uh, really get become, you know, superpower, get some superpowers with how they work uh, and ultimately drive drive more impact. So that's kind of the, the, the rough idea. I love that. And so for everybody listening, What's one thing they probably don't know about you as a marketer? So what's a little, maybe a little secret power that you think you're, you, you don't have a ton of gray hair, similar to myself. So what do you think was the little secret power for everybody listening in that let you become a CMO, you know, a fast growing SaaS company at such a young age? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, a big part of it is uh, the relationships that you build, especially with your CEO. And so one thing that, that I always thought of is, um, you know, I, I've tried to create a relationship with my CEO where they feel comfortable sharing feedback with me. And I think feedback is a big contributor to trust being built between um, a CMO and a CEO. So um, that's something that I've now carried with me from my last company, Gainsight, now to front. Um, and I think it's been uh, super helpful for helping navigate kind of the, the career of a, of a, you know, of any marketer really in, in, in SaaS or anyone that has aspirations of becoming a CMO. I love that. Now, one of the things I don't know as much about, right? I mean, I live in this agency world. So you're CMO of Gainsight. Mm -hmm. What does that process look like? So for all the aspiring CMOs that might be listening and what was the process for you, right? You spent a lot of time at Gainsight, right? You built up a track record. You had, you shown yourself as a proven commodity. That level of length, by the way, of tenure, right? Is a big deal in SaaS, right? There's not a lot of guys or gals who go that long as a CMO in a SaaS company. So what was the process of leaving Gainsight and going to front? Like, do you get recruited out? Do you start recruiting? Like, how is that like kind of process for those listening and like thinking about their careers? I'd yeah. love to learn more about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if my experience is exactly what, what everyone would go through. I think for me, um, I definitely fell in love with what we were doing at Gainsight and it felt like much more than just a job. It was, it was kind of something I was missionally very aligned to. And so, you know, what's weird about, tech companies or at least on the startup side is, you know, we, we incentivize our employees in these four year increments. And so, you know, your, your stock vests over four years and then you have to really think about it. Um, and so for me, I stayed for six and a half years, almost seven years. Um, and so I didn't leave uh, because I was, you know, I, I didn't fall, I wasn't in love anymore with, with the concept or what we were working on. I didn't leave because uh, for anything really that was sort of pushing me out of the business. Um, yeah. 
the stuff for me, you know, I started when I was 26, um, you know, and, and got single and, you know, left, you know, married and a kid and like life was just different. And I wanted to yeah. do something else. Um, I wanted to explore some, some different business models, um, see if we can do it again, you know, see if we can run yeah. it back. Um, yeah. there, there's a lot of reasons why I think I was just sort of ready. I had that, that itch to go and do something again. Um, but thankfully I left on just amazing terms with my CEO, still a, a, a really close friend of mine. Well, before we've seen normal Anthony, <laughs> no, let's get sour Anthony. Sour so before Anthony. I ask my next question, uh, I'm on the toxic waste. So let's start with the heaviest wow. to start. Just going I, on. Oh yeah, I, I I worked my way last time, but I think it's more fun to start with the good stuff, and we'll finish with the good stuff too. So, okay. what do I got here? Oh, I'm sitting like a blueberry looking thing. Ready? Okay. You let me know when you're ready as well. Oh my god. All right. You ready? What's the rule on like a uh, spit bottle or like like wine tasting or something? Is that is that in, in the pub? No, 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 no. We have to. We gotta tough it out. All right. On three. Right. One, two, yeah. three. Clap. So one of the biggest things. God damn, I'm sour every time. Um, one of the biggest things in SaaS marketing right now is categories. Right. Mm -hmm. Thinking, of, am I new to a category? Do I want to create a category? You actually wrote the book on this. Mm -hmm. So, what are some of the things? And let's put this in the context of SEO and PPC. Okay. So what are some of the people things people need to think about when starting a new category when it comes to their search marketing? Mm -hmm. So on the organic side, you know, a big part of category creation is evangelizing a new problem that, that hasn't been really uh, articulated in the way that your business is really articulating it. So it's not just the solution, which a lot of companies are disruptors really would focus on but it's also evangelizing the problem. And the way we do that really is by writing a lot of content um, because that's the principal way that people are consuming information on the internet. So if somebody has a problem, they go and search for it. And so you wanna show up when that happens. So from an SEO perspective, we spent a lot of time writing a ton of content, you know, optimizing it for long tail search. Um, we built the online destination for the category. So if anybody wants best practices on, in our case, customer success, um, that was somewhere that people could turn and, and, and get their answers, but it was also built around discoverability. So ultimately a lot of people would search for, Hey, how do I host a quarterly business review? And they would find some asset that we wrote and that would pull them into our funnel and into our world. Um, and honestly, we really grew the company, um, running that motion on the paid side. It's a lot harder actually, because if people aren't searching for the problem, because they don't know they have that problem yet. It's really hard to bid on those keywords. Um, so I think from the paid perspective, you have to be a little bit more perhaps creative or look at like, you know, LinkedIn where the job titles that you're that you're kind of focusing in on, but like pure play AdWords, I think it's just a, a little bit more difficult to really figure out how to how to compete. So you bring up a really good point there. Have you seen I had kind of a couple things I want to unpack. Like, let's start with the first one on the organic side. I mean, you just evangelized essentially what HubSpot did, right? Mm -hmm. HubSpot said, there's this new category called inbound. They mm -hmm. created a massive inbound engine and they built a SaaS form, went public, and that became the playbook. Mm -hmm. What of that initial playbook is broken if you try to do today? Like what hypothesis is flawed? Because what you said made sense, yet I'll tell you right now, a lot of the SaaS companies out there that are creating content 
are no. not actually getting people into the door, working them through a funnel and monetizing it at all. No. Like there's still this gap. So what's broken that we haven't really figured out or is no. missing? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if um, I'll answer that and then maybe I can, I can have a hypothesis on HubSpot because um, I, I don't, I'm sure they figured this bit out, but what's still missing is a lot of people invest in what we'll call brand. They'll do the the content, they'll, you know, they'll do fun stuff like this. Uh, but yep. then connecting that to revenue is like the next kind of leg of it. And a lot of folks, um, maybe they're, the way they're kind of instrumenting their brand campaigns, they forget that that's sort of the outcome that you're trying to drive. Um, and ultimately, if you're not connecting it to some type somewhere on the funnel, it's worthless because you're not going to end up, um, you know, you're not going to be doing much more of those types of campaigns. You're not be writing that content anymore. Um, you're not getting the funding or the headcount to go and get after it. So I think that's that's you want to make sure that for all of your category marketing effort, you have like powerful demand gen kind of capability that sits alongside that, so you can ensure yeah. that you're monetizing your brand work. Um, you know what what doesn't working today is events, and I think events are a big part of categories, and so or building something new because. You know, often at the heart of a new category, it isn't just, you know, um, product, but it's actually people, people that um, want to get together with others and learn and, and compare notes and kind of, you know, be on this journey together. So um, obviously today we can't do that with uh, with COVID and how, where we're at, so we're going to have to figure it out. But, you know, HubSpot, I don't know. I mean, I think they've done such an incredible job over the years and they've built this kind of mammoth of a brand that it, they're sort of like you know continuing to build and iterate on it but they've sort of like um you know they're, they're a known entity and so if they had to build today i mean i think the biggest difference is just the proliferation of SaaS apps that they would be competing with and so you know it was, it was a different day whenever i think it was early 2000s probably when they when they started a much different landscape today there's like a billion uh, folks in CRM or in customer support or all these different categories in which they operate. And so be a much more, um, you know, competitive path to success, I'd imagine. I love that. No, it's a really good point. And it's different now. And I just see a lot of what they did and why it worked not working today. And so I love that perspective. Yeah. Now, I got a question for you, right? So you, you've planted your flag in the ground around your brand story, which is going to be impact. Right. Mm -hmm. You wrote a really great blog post on it. You're saying essentially the front app is focused on impact, the impact we have in these different core product service areas and then mm -hmm. tying that back to value props that have impact. Mm -hmm. I love that conceptually. Mm -hmm. One of my questions to you is as a marketer, the way you've already communicated, right? I can tell you're correlating everything back to cost press SQL or LTV CAC or whatever mm -hmm. you're doing to actually like monetize and see how it progresses. How do you spread the news of impact when mm -hmm. spreading news is so efficient? In other words, like how do you approach in your mind brand advertising that has some like some confidence, something to say, right? Something new to say, like impact. So yeah. how do you think like what's your plan to get why your ideal customer persona needs to start thinking about impact out yeah. there? Since no one's Googling impact for customer yeah. success, right? So yeah. how do you get that message out? Totally. So I think there's um, there's different sort of altitudes for our our, our different brand uh, campaigns. So there's, you know, uh, the higher order. What do we believe as a company? And then maybe one layer below that, which is how does what we believe tie into the products that we sell and the value that we can create for customers? So for us, we believe that 
um, uh, in general, um, companies are all on a mission. And in fact, all of us as employees were on missions too. Um, and in order for us to make our mission possible, we have to get away from the sort of um, religion we've created about being busy and around, uh, you know, go, 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 works on our mind all the time. And we're in such a place, we're so obsessed with kind of productivity that um, it's become very hard for us to focus and, uh, and make impact. So COVID has been the, the great reset, you know, this year for all of us to be like, actually, we're, you know, we're home and we have to uh, watch our children and homeschool our kids while we're also running businesses. So um, we're all forced to think about impact. So at that like altitude level, what we're trying to speak in, into is culture and we're trying to speak into um, folks that are currently trying to navigate their th this tension between being productive at work and also being kind of present at home. So yeah. that's something we deeply believe. Now, the products that we build help enable that um, because we help you kind of be more productive with the window into your work that is often the most crazy, your inbox. And so we help you really kind of make a lot of sense of that. And we think that the biggest value is we do it in, in service of your ability to make an impact, but your ability to make an impact for your customers as well. And so that's sort of the, if you think of our architecture, the next level down from impact, we're calling it the heart of business, but it's really, we think where teams and customers intersect is really where the most impact is felt. So in that sense, that's a message that as a demand marketer, for example, I could take and tie it into my, my product. So what CEO doesn't want to make their team closer to their customers, right? And in order to do that, you know, we have technology that helps enable that. So that's really where I think the demand spend, a lot of that work um, will, will, in the product marketing work, will go into telling that story while the brand sort of the Airbnb you belong story that's that's so much different than, you know, the, the, the products obviously that they're in market with. I love it. And I got a follow-up question, but you look comfortable. So let's change <laughs> or what are we going with? Let's go with the extreme sour. I'm sitting okay. on the apple one. I don't know if you got one of those. You can apple. use any flavor, obviously. But okay, these are I don't know what's the worst, honestly. They're all bad, but here we are. All right. <laughs> I love <Yes>. the grass. <laughs> so good. All right, you let me know when you're ready, boss. I'm ready for it. All right. Hmm. So, wow. wow. Yeah, it comes right at yeah. you, man. Mm. As adults, we don't eat sour things either. So this is like no. a whole other world. Wow. Because you talk about the story, okay? Mm -hmm. What I want to talk about is the medium. So let's get mm -hmm. tactical for a second. All right? You have this story of getting closer to your customers. Mm -hmm. How do you choose to spread it? Is it video? Are we using target CPM on LinkedIn? So we have firmographics. Are we building lookalike audiences and trying to leverage Twitter even though they don't have the firmographics? Are we getting into Facebook and importing data into it? Like, how are we spreading this message? Is it video? Is it content? Is it white papers? Like, what do you think is the most effective way to get your story of impact in front of your ideal customers? Yeah. First thing we were starting with was our our customers. So we're we're fortunate that you know, and I'm stepping into, I stepped in 10 months ago into a company that already had about 5,000 at the time, now over 6,000 paid customers, yeah. um, and obviously uh, exponentially more end users. And so we did a live kind of virtual event where our CEO gave a sort of keynote that talked about, hey, here's, you know, a rearticulation of who we are, what we believe, and then how the products that we're building help serve you 
are, are helping kind of make that, that vision come to life. Um, so we started there to get some type of like snowball, right? Um, and we then decided to promote that out to on social as well. Um, and we kind of positioned it as this like live keynote basically um, that we were doing. Um, we had a bunch of other videos as well that we filmed and we used through social. So I think social is a big part of it. Email marketing to our install base was a lot of it. Um, we did some paid and we're, we're looking at, you know, to, because it's brand oriented more than product marketing in, in, in at least that initial campaign, you know, we looked at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and LinkedIn, um, and, and did a lot of work there. Um, but you know, I think that was sort of a moment in time, you know, the, then we have sort of the rolling thunder of releases. So we announced our blog our new editorial site um, uh, called Front Page. We announced something called Front Classroom, which is a way for folks to actually use the product to achieve those outcomes um, or educate people on how to use the product to achieve those outcomes. Um, and so we had a rolling thunder of announcements and okay. the, the paid media work continues to amplify um, some of those latter things that I mentioned and drive folks to, to trial and, and that sort of thing. But for the moment in time, we try to get them to show up to the live event. And I think we had a few thousand people kind of register for it um, through, through that that effort. I love that. No, I love that. One of the, this is kind of an interesting thing. A lot of what I hear you saying about in your, your marketing is you need to get your product into your story, like the real like product into the story and how you're doing that. Now, one of the ways SaaS marketers have done that in the past is really webinar heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, like they can't, they have on-demand webinars. There's a weekly webinar. They kind of have this. Do you believe in webinars still? Do you see it as dated? Do you think webinars have a place? Like what's kind of your take on it? Obviously like I'm for all this crazy stuff, right? I'm doing like sour sass interviews and like completely like, I hate the idea of webinars because it's like one directional. I'll be honest. Totally. Cause it's like, you know what I mean? Like nobody can interact with each other. They can't ask questions. You can't see the person. It's just like this. <clears throat> Ale, like white paper of video content kind totally. of thing. But what's your take on it? Does it still work? Am I missing something? Like wh no. what do people think about? I think, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question because I too prefer a bit more of the consumer oriented ways of interacting with a brand. And, you know, we're on what YouTube now and a few other kind of platforms. Yeah. Um, and that feels like a much more human way to interact. But I'll tell you, webinars still work. They, they still work there. There's people that that's how they consume information and it gives us a chance to like build the deck and, and tell the story. And so I think it's, it's probably important to not sort of bet the farm on webinars, but find their place in your, in your, um, in your kind of marketing war chest. It's probably, if you ask me, I think webinars do really well for like mid funnel type work. So if you're saying, hey, we, we've already got a bunch of folks kind of either in the pipeline or we're gonna promote this to our email uh, database. And we're gonna talk about how Front helps solve this problem for this customer and the customers can come share their story. That can be pretty helpful. But I think for folks to like understand our story of impact or figure out that, hey, having an email inbox that's in single player mode is like archaic. We need to get into this like collaborative email world, like to recruit the masses. I don't think a webinar is your uh, your your chosen path. I think doing kind of more of this kind of stuff is getting folks interested to say, you know, hey, there, there there's something kind of new and interesting that maybe I should learn more about. Love that. Now, let's get 
have some fun here then. So you just talked about middle. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to give you kind of three things. You got top, middle, mm-hmm. bottom, mm-hmm. all are digital. And you only get to do one for each. So you get one. To, you, so CFO comes to you and says, Anthony, this whole diverse approach you're taking to marketing. No, 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 no. Uh-huh. I want more tactic that we're going to bet the farm on for top of funnel, middle and bottom. And we're going to see the impact over the next 12 months. What if you can only do three things, right? They don't let you do anything else. That's all you got. Yeah. Top, middle, bottom. What do you do? Um, okay. And in, in, in this fictitious, is COVID happening in this world or is this? Oh, a- yeah. You know, this is the very much the real world of today. Yeah. Oh, man. We'll do one COVID and non-COVID. Okay. okay so let's let's out. Out. Okay. All right. The top of funnel, I would do organic content. So okay. I would uh, hire a writer and, yeah. you know, develop a, a blog presence and, and do a lot of writing. Uh, I think if we can find people where they are online and, and help them um, solve a problem through some type of best practice or some type of like, uh, you know, education, I think that's both cheap uh, in that, you know, you're not paying a lot to distribute that if you only have one uh, thing to choose. Um, yeah. It's authentic. And, then, uh, and on the top. So on the top though, let's, let's stick with this for a second. Does that writer, do you need to give them a designer? Does creative matter? Can they just spit out written words or do yeah. we need like, let's go deeper. You know what I'm saying? Like, do we need creative in there? How do we do it? I mean, if you can, right? Like we, we spend a lot of time like making it look like a web property that you want to engage with. And so we have you know amazing brand designers that helped us build that. But I think if you're, it depends where you are. If you're a, you know, well-funded, you know, series C company, like we are, like you can do that. Um, yep. If you're earlier stage, like, you know, go get a theme forest account, like get on WordPress, build something, go to Webflow, design something from the ground up and, and you should be good to go. Um, I think at the end of the day, that, that, that content has to be good, right? You have to be able to, you know, solve a problem or help folks find an answer. So that's a piece that needs to be um, focused on, at least from the writer's perspective. Um, middle of funnel, I'm gonna go a little traditional on this one. Um, I think you can't replace the human touch. So I think you need a, a BDR, SDR program or, you know, a corporate AEs or whoever is going to, you know, talk to people and help, you know, qualify their pain and help kind of solve that problem. So I think, you know, I, you know, I think there, there's, there's different ways to think about it. So there's probably one cohort of the world that says sales is dying. It's all going to be like, there's gonna be like an amazon.com for enterprise software and we're all just gonna go in and buy what we want. Um, and I think there's some truth de- there to like product led kind of motions and all that, but yeah. I might call me, I don't know. I, I tend to believe that humans will always have a role to play in, in business. And I think this is one area that's super, super critical. Um, bottom funnel, um, you know, I think, I think there's, there's something that has to happen in a COVID and non-COVID world. And that's like customers need to feel, get the validation that they're, this is a brand they want to work with, that their peers are the types of companies that they're, um, that are also in this, this, you know, customer value. That's right. So in the digital world, what it's like, you know, either a reference program, testimonial videos, case studies, if I had to pick one, you know, at scale, it's probably like building an amazing case study, like video portal or something that people are can access. Um, if we weren't in COVID, I would say events. Yeah, I think getting together in person, there's nothing like it. And I think that's what we as humanity are struggling with right now, right? Even outside of work, 
Um, and so there's, there's power when people get together in person. And uh, I think brands that really figure out a great event strategy, like can't, you know, it becomes a superpower. I got two follow-ups for you. So case studies, there's no customer in the world who's like, oh my God, Anthony, thank you so much for asking. I would love to take time out of my day and get you that exact case study to help you hit your goals. Cause that's what I care about. Right. Yeah. So um, with that context, how do you incentivize that? Are you using hundred dollar gift cards to like Uber eats? How much are we paying for a testimonial in your mind? Like what have yeah. you learned from experience of trying to scale that? I don't, I, I wouldn't pay for a testimonial. So I, I, I don't think that's, I, 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 I want the customer that wants to share their story. Um, and I think the way to maybe rationalize that is it, part of it is what, is it like a customer's tab? That's just like a like selfish thing. Or is it a platform that you're building that allows your audience and your community to share their story with the world? So if I go back and told it, you know, bring it back to impact, if I said, I want you, you know, smart water to tell your story about how you're making an impact through everything that you're doing, you know, both, you know, for your, for your teammates, but for your customers and no one should share that with the world. And we're going to build the platform. We're going to build the stage for you to go and share that story. And we're going to get eyeballs on it. That's like a free branding opportunity for them. Like you know, that. and if, if they happen to mention uh, front along the way, that's great. But I think that's kind of the, you know, the, the way it should be positioned as opposed to a transactional type of thing. No, I love that. Cause you're taking them, you're saying you're allowing them to appeal to a higher power impact yeah. that makes them yeah. look good. Right. And then you're saying, instead of us saying how great we are at front, I'm going to go let the CMO or the chief customer officer at Smartwater say how great we are. And that's it's right. not even how great we are. It's how great their impact is on the world because of us. That's so exactly. I love it. It's brilliant. It's awesome, man. Um, you said something about field marketing that I thought was interesting. I'd love yeah. your take on this. Most people see field marketing and they think, oh my God, we got to get a booth at Dreamforce, right? Or we got to go to Saster. Like, how do you see field marketing? What's working the best? There is going to be a point in time in some you know, galaxy far, far away where we're going to meet again. Yeah. How should people think about events when that time comes? Yeah, I think it's different kind of buckets to put it in. Like the trade show thing is important. Part of it is like, are your competitors there? Um, you know, and it's not just, are you scanning leads at the booth? I think that's important to maybe for database building more than anything else. But um, what conversations are you having, having at the show? And can you drive them off the show floor to a dinner or to some event where you can actually have a, a, a kind of deeper conversation? So sponsoring the booth is one thing, but having a trade show strategy, I think is, is a completely other uh, way to think about it. Field marketing then true field marketing. This is the, maybe the steak dinners and that sort of thing. Um, you know, you can't replace those. I think the point of that is that we're leaving our uh, Orange County or Bay Area kind of echo chamber and we're going to you. We're going to Chicago, we're going to Boston, we're going to Atlanta, we're going to Nashville and we're gonna meet you where you are. So part of it is, you know, hey, they came all the way here. Like, I'm, I, that's great, I wanna put a face to the name. And the conversations had over dinner, just because we're social creatures, we, we love to meet and build trust that way. So I think yeah. field marketing has a spot. But then the other big one is like, you know, doing your own conference, doing your own kind of corporate events as well. And those tend to be, you know, a lot about the parent brand and that sort of thing. And then, you know, you start peppering in more, more meat into like the product stuff. But if it's more about the movement and you're trying to like activate a community of people who believe what you believe, 
I mean, those things are expensive and, and a big drain on the business. But if you can pull it off, they're they're you know a, a big deal, um, a big deal for 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 growing the company, a big deal for pipeline building and revenue. I love it. All right, last hour candy okay. and last question here. Okay, Is I'm this, going with the map, the smash ups. Do y'all right. smash? -ups? I got a smash. <laughs> oh man. I saw you spit that one out though, by the way, Anthony. Are you know out? There was a, uh, there was something in there. I ate most of it, but there was a little like plastic something. Oh. oh man, you let me know when you're ready. All right, hold on. Having trouble with the wrapper. All right, mango melon. Mango melon. I'm sitting on uh, something lemonade, I think. All right, are we ready? Oh, mango right. melon. I'm on the same one. All right. Nice, here we go. Mm. They hit. Okay. Mm. Oh my God. Okay. Now, the last thing no one ever talks about, and mm -hmm. I want to make sure we touch on, because a lot of the stuff you can get in blog posts, you can get other places. What nobody talks about is like managing marketers. Mm -hmm. So you spent a lot of time in your career as a CMO mm -hmm. managing. What, what was the size of your team at Gainsight? Sixty-five. 65 people at Gainsight, and then how many now at front? Um, 25. Okay. Pretty good-sized teams. Mm -hmm. How do you think of a cadence? So when you look at that team, mm -hmm. how do you build your cadence of marketing management? I'm really curious about this. Cadence of, like, what's the operational rhythm of the team and that sort of thing? Like, do you meet weekly? Mm -hmm. um, do you do breakout sessions? Do you have a all hands marketing meeting weekly and then weekly breakouts? Do you do monthly? Yep. How do you think about quarterly planning? Kind of like what does like the cadence of your team look like? I think this is something that nobody talks about and is hugely totally. valuable. Totally. So I make Mondays my my team day. So we have our okay. leadership team meeting in the morning, um, which basically all the department leaders you know come to. And I'll do one-on-ones with the team kind of throughout that day. And then we have different um, team meetings throughout the course of the week. So I think Demand Gen does their meetings on Tuesdays. Product marketing is their, their meeting on Wednesdays. Brand is their meeting on Thursdays. Those are led by by my 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 leaders, but every now and then I'll I'll come in and kind of help be a part of those meetings. We do monthly all hands for for the company or for the excuse me for the okay. team, where we're share, you know introducing new hires. We're talking about what we're learning and sharing kind of some stories. So that's a great kind of grounding effort for our our team culture. Um, what am I forgetting? Um, planning quarterly, we do like OKRs that all trickle kind of up to company-wide goals. Um, and in general, I think, you know, we use tools like Slack and others to, you know, collaborate and make sure that we're connected kind of, you know, in between all those, all those things. I love it. I use a tool called Ally for OKRs. Do you use a tool at all for managing OKRs? What do you guys use? Honestly, we use spreadsheet, Google Spreadsheet. So I'll oh, check out. Man. We're going to, once we hop off this, I'm going to show you real quick ally because you're going to look like a god to the executive awesome. team. I'll check it out. It's gonna be, yeah. Uh, anything uh, in closing, Anthony, where can people find you? Uh, anything you'd like audience to interact with? Uh, we're going to be sharing this a lot afterwards and everything else. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I mean, probably Twitter or LinkedIn is, is where you can find me. Just, yeah, there it is. Perfect. That's awesome. Um, uh, you know, we're at, we're at frontapp.com. And if, if you're, um, you know, if you're sick of email being just uh, not working for you, but, um, you know, getting in your way of being, of making an impact, you know, come check us out. We'd love to, uh, love to work with you. I love it.
Well, thanks so much for being here today, Anthony. And uh, thank you. That's it. Thanks so much.